Good. Uh, oh, right. I apologize for the delay, everybody. I mean, if my partner hadn't had a lunch meat fight <laughs> at <laughs> home and gotten here. I did. We got in a fight over lunch meat. <laughs> lunch meat was part of the argument. It's like, why do I have to take stock of it all the time? <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> this is a real argument. That. All right, here we go. Here we go. Have you explained that they... No, they'll okay. figure it out. Okay. Roughly 24 to 92 hours ago, Stab's team of comedy scientists commissioned four specific humorists to give various potentially comedic takes on several random topics, which they'll now perform for the first and likely last time in front of a live studio audience in a show called... Stab! Welcome. Welcome to Stab. Stab. Welcome to Stab here at uh, 1710 Broadway in Sacramento, California. We get, we're here every Friday at about 10 o'clock doing the show. Um, are you guys want to meet your contestants? Okay, good. Right there. Josh Kincaid. Josh Kincaid. Hi. Hi. That's unexpected. Yeah. And uh, I'm your host, John Morris Ross IV. Let's play the game. <laughs> You guys ready to? Are you guys ready to play stab? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, thanks for being here, Josh. This is your third time on the show. Yeah, this is my third time. Third time in yeah. six years. Yes. Very sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, you know. Very sorry about it. Marco. Yeah. This is your first time on it, the show. It is. We've been trying. Yeah, he's he's a hard get. He's very famous. I'm very busy. He's in a lot of <laughs> films. Yeah. The place called Sacramento. <laughs> very good, uh, Corinne. Is this your first time since the baby? The second time since the baby? Sec- second which, time which since, the third baby. since the third baby? I, I don't think I... I think I was pregnant when we filmed... When we filmed? The last time I did stand yeah. down. That's right. I so think I was very pregnant, if I recall correctly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So first one since so the third baby. Acronym and reimagine it. What does it now stand for? Who or what does it now represent? Uh, being that today is American singer and songwriter Cisco's birthday. Remember him? Josh, what does thong mean to you? So, thong, the famous acronym thong. We've all taken tests online to see what kind of personality types we are and help us determine what we value in relationships and jobs. And the personality type is the T-H-O-N-G, the tragically hairy, overly nervous gentleman. Being the only child of a mother carrying hirsute neurotic Jewish traits and a father carrying cold, uptight Scandinavian traits. <laughs> this breeding results in an unfortunate offspring who lacks any sort of self-confidence and finds solace only in putting words together in a way that make people chuckle. <laughs> the strengths of the, the strengths of the thong include excessive body hair, great for keeping warm in the winter. Weaknesses include self-consciousness regarding said body hair and, and nervousness that it will be a deal-breaker for most women. Romantic relationships for the thong typically last mere months before they are dissolved due to the thong second-guessing all of his emotions and general lack of decision-making with the relationship. The career path of the thong tends to consist of years of thankless desk jobs with no trajectory in which the thong does just enough not to get fired but not enough to move up on the corporate ladder. Self-sabotage is paramount to the thong's personality as actually doing something would mean dealing with change, which is something the thong avoids at all costs. Word of warning, do not, under any circumstance, invite a thong to a comedy panel show. <laughs> <laughs> they, 
They will give masturbatory responses to silly acronym questions when, when they could have just as easily taken it on a much lighter direction and probably should have said something like, Thong, two-headed ocelot named Gertrude. <laughs> too, too late for that now. Very good, Josh Kincaid. Thong. Very good. Marco Cabote, what does thong mean to you? Very, very directly, thong means tactical her- helicopter, operational nuclear grievance. <laughs> this is a complaint that is filed for friendly fire irradiation from a helicopter that fires nukes. <laughs> which, which is a terrible idea because they wouldn't be able to make the minimum safe distance away from the nuclear blast in order to save them. So rather than the United States government fixing this problem, they just, they just made a form, <laughs> which is the tactical helicopter operational nuclear grievance. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I don't think he was done. I, th- I, thought, he, I thought he said thank you. That was, oh, did, yeah. that was it? Very said, good. Okay, good. I said thank you, but my, my mic wobbled around. <laughs> That's all right. You do improv mostly, so you don't understand personal Sad thing is he does sketch mostly. Yeah. Oh, do, oh. So, yeah. we, don't, we don't use microphones, though. That's true. Right. It's all up in my face. <laughs> all right. Very good, Marco. Thank you. Very good. Corrine. How's your microphone over there? It's normal. <laughs> is yeah. it lunch meat enough? No, yeah. I don't. I don't know. That doesn't even. I don't know. That didn't make sense. What does thong mean to you? So uh, thong, T H O N G, of course, stands for the hipster odyssey is new to Greeks. <laughs> Again, that's the hipster odyssey, which is new to Greeks. Uh, and I'll give you the plot of this general new hipster odyssey that's out there. It's the end of a 10-year Portland mushroom-picking expedition, and Odysseus has not yet returned home. Now we learn of the hip new story of his 10-year journey back to his wife and now-grown son. Odysseus took a ferry to some island where he ran into a one-eyed urban bee farmer. He gave this farmer lots and lots of kombucha and blinded him with a parliament cigarette. He and his men escaped this urban bee farm by hiding under the racks of artisanal cheeses. However, Odysseus taunted the now blind urban bee farmer and was cursed to wander aimlessly around indie music festivals on brew bikes with his crew for the next 10 years. He encountered a vegan courier bag salesman who destroyed all of the brew bikes except his own. He then found a craft cocktail waitress that turned half of his remaining men into cured meats. (laughs) Odysseus took some molly, which was actually real in the story. He took some molly, so I'm thinking that's where the term of molly maybe came from, but I don't know for sure, (laughs) which made him uh, resistant to the craft cocktail waitress's magic. He and his remaining crew then biked to the western edge of the music festival. There he was told that he could only return home if he and his crew avoided eating from the sacred food truck of of Helios. (laughs) They had to travel past a stage playing Wes Anderson films. The crew (laughs) plugged their ears with organic beeswax and covered their eyes with ironic t-shirts to avoid being seduced by Wes Anderson and his addictive symmetry. (laughs) They were uh, punished 
Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, they got to Helios, Helios, and some of his men were unable to avoid eating from the sacred food truck. They were punished with a bike wreck that killed everyone except Odysseus. He then became captive of the thrift store on Calypso until Hermes set him free. Odysseus rented a jump bike, but Poseidon depleted the jump bike's charge. Then, for some reason, naked and stranded, a family offers him hospitality hospitality but makes him pay, play cornhole with them <laughs> he tells them his story and they totally dig it so they help him go to the whole foods on ithaca he runs into his son who is shopping there for kale sausages he think he takes his dad back home in disguise of course Odysseus enters a PBR flip cup contest to win the hand of his wife, Penelope, who had 108 dudes interested in her on Tinder. <laughs> he wins and kills everyone, and they all live happily ever after, except the hundreds of dead people. <laughs> Very good, Corrine. Very good. And Jesse, what does thong mean to you? <laughs> Never have to read the Odyssey. No. Right there for you. That's great. Uh, Thong is a term used by passionate, some might say overzealous, viewers of cable edutainment programs when throwing shade upon persons, places, or things which displease them on their favorite channel. So you might stumble upon the term during a live tweeting of, say, surgery ship <laughs> or America Inside Out with Katie Couric or Animal Fight Night. Thong, that hoe on Nat Geo. <laughs> Here are a couple messages I found from fans utilizing the aforementioned thong in the disparaging. Look at that nasty heifer. <laughs> Looks like some motherfucker bumped his elbow while he was shaving. Then he just said fuck it and did the other side the same, trying to play it off like that shit was did on purpose. That thong got so many shows on this channel, bitch name should be Adolf Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> National Geographic Channel has a lot of Hitler shows. Um, <laughs> or this observation on Nat Geo favorite Wicked Tuna. That's some bullshit. If that tuna was so wicked, its ass would be wearing a big pointy hat and die like the second it was born because, hello, water and shit. That bitch fish would just melt and shit. Think it's so wicked. Fucking thong tuna. But thong isn't only derogatory, it can be used in the positive as well by simply substituting the H for a more flattering adjective, thus becoming that hottie on Nat Geo. For example, ooh, check out NDGT, NDGT being a common abbreviation for Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Damn, thong so squeezable and full of science, he like a big teddy bear stuffed with pages torn out of science books. And smashed up spaceship parts and shit. <laughs> Give me a chance. I'd rock his cosmos. Make him see billions of billions of stars. That's what this mouth do. <laughs> Very good. That was... Reorganization. Which brings us to our next segment. 
Topical Haiku Challenge. Topical Haiku Challenge. Uh, contestants, please have uh, composed three haiku in regard to the following topical story. An angry woman who had her belly button removed in an act of revenge against her estranged family now regrets her impulsive uh, operation. Uh, after her body was mutilated, uh, she bizarre <laughs> bizarrely sent the belly button to her then boyfriend as a present. Uh, let's hear haikus <laughs> in regard to that story I just said. Uh, we'll start with Josh, your first of three. All right. Well, on the bright side, she'll never have to check for belly button lens. <laughs> Very good. Marco? Mailed Audi, shriveled cold. Grand Grandma passes, seeing you gone. The knives cut. Christmas. <laughs> that was beautiful. All right. <laughs> okay, uh, this one's titled Reasonable Beauty Standards for Women. <laughs> some women have abs, some girls have navel piercings. I said, fuck that noise. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Jesse. Uh, my first is titled The Very Definition. Sure, impulsive, like trimming your bangs. Or melon balling your tum tum. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Josh, your second of three haiku. All right. Self indulgent act. No, sir, she can't be accused of navel gazing. It's a groaner. <laughs> Marco? Uh. Mom and dad distraught. My tube top glaring, cursing. <laughs> Certified male, yes. <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 That's all of them. I had to commit to memory what a haiku was. I never did that in my whole life. <laughs> so I had to look it up. <laughs> okay, uh, Corinne. This one's titled. Mom, I don't want a grilled cheese right now. Stop ruining my life. <laughs> oh, wow. My umbilicus, placental cord to my mom. Screw her nutrients. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang it! I was gonna my third one. I was gonna save this for third, but it was so close to Kareen's that I'm gonna have to do it now. So hopefully my second one is gonna be good enough. Okay. <laughs> So, switching around, because this one is so close, uh, titled, Road Closed. <laughs> Take that, Mom. Now try supplying me nutrients. <laughs> yeah, you fucking can't. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Josh, your third of three haiku. All right, this one is from the point of view of the lucky guy who received the belly button. <laughs> For my next birthday, only get me gifts from my Amazon wish list. That's <laughs> fair. Marco, you're third of three. The doctor nodded. Now they'd see 
why they'd cry loud. For forever stamps used. <laughs> very, very good, Marco. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> Marco, you have my favorite actors. <laughs> Okay, um, <laughs> this is called Revenge is a Dish Best Served with Lengthy and Expensive Cosmetic Surgery. <laughs> My dear stomach hole, I put you inside a box. That will show mother. <laughs> Jesse. Uh, and this one ties closely to Josh's last one. <laughs> uh, but far enough. Uh, it's titled The Gift. <laughs> Babe! You shouldn't have. <laughs> no. I mean, literally. You really shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That was the top three haiku. Or that was called a topical haiku challenge. I could remember segments. I can. All right. Very good. That brings us to our third of five segments, in case you're counting. Uh, this next one's <laughs> called, uh, this was Today Once. Josh, today is Inventor's Day in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Uh, also on this very date, 1861, the first documented, documented football match in Canada was played at the U at University College, Toronto. Uh, How do you celebrate the aforementioned events in tandem? Yeah, so this morning I woke up before my alarm clock had a chance to. I, I couldn't help it knowing that it was a very special day indeed. November 9th, the day of the first documented football match in Canada. I was like a kid on Christmas. I jumped out of bed and immediately started planning my day. H how would I celebrate? I'd, of course, start by looking at the details of this day on Wikipedia. I, I was shocked to discover that it was, in fact, only a practice game and disappointed to learn that it was... Canadian rules football that was played on that fateful day, and not good old-fashioned red, white, and blue American rules football, as God intended. <laughs> I then went to the American football Wikipedia page to see how long our dear sport existed before Canada bastardized it, <laughs> but I was shocked to find that the first American rules football game was played on November 6th, 1869, between Rutgers and Princeton, nearly eight years after the Canadian game. My mouth was agape. <laughs> Canada invented football? It could not be. The bitter irony was that this was uh, that, <laughs> excuse me, the bitter irony of this was that I learned this fact on Inventor's Day as well. I, I couldn't let this fact uh, get to the public. Our country is in a fragile enough state as it is. <laughs> <laughs> if we learned that we didn't even invent football as we know it, I'm not sure what would happen. I did the only thing I could do. I set out to invent a time machine with the intention of going back to sometime in late October of 1861 and setting, a, and setting a football game up right here in the good old US of A and beat those Canadians to it. My lack of scientific background kept me from inventing a time machine, however, so <laughs> I instead just traded it to a couple of hacker guys who, uh, who in exchange edited those Wikipedia pages for me. <laughs> to make it look like we played the first game, forever altering the course of human history. And with that, I felt that I'd done my patriotic duty, and I took a well-deserved rest. <laughs> Very good, Josh. Very good. Marco Cabote. Today, Cambodia. <laughs> oh, I just got that. <laughs> Marco Cabote. 
Cambodia. Today, Cambodia celebrates its independence from France. Uh, also on this very date, 1985, Gary Kasparov, 22, of the Soviet Union, becomes the youngest world-class chess champion by beating fellow Soviet Anatoly Karapov. Uh, how'd you celebrate these things all mixed up? Ah, uh, the French. <laughs> <laughs> how quaint it was of them to actually show power over other countries. <laughs> so novel a concept, the French even had to go to the South of Asia to even do it. <laughs> Cambodia, Vietnam. Hell of a commute, guys. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they celebrate this, or they, they celebrate their independence with a giant dick thing. It's like building statue thing with the, the leaves from Mario 3 that turn you into a little raccoon person that flies <laughs> all along the outside of it, like on this like statue thing for their independence. I'm making hand gestures on a podcast. <laughs> but it's a giant statue that looks like a penis that has Mario leaves all over it, which I respect. <laughs> so, as, as for Kasparov, chess is boring people laser tag. <laughs> so the only way to celebrate it is to play that mini game from Mario 3 where you have to steal the little different blocks from the other people but it's like the original Mario game and you're Mario and Luigi and you fight each other and I'm going to play that against Anatoly Karpov the guy he beat because he's because I'm pretty sure I could kick his ass because <laughs> he's dead he, he's not dead <laughs> but, he, but he sucks at Mario 3 <laughs> And I'm awesome at Mario 3. Oh, I shouldn't have said that because the next line was, I'm, uh, he, he sucks at Mario 3, which is awesome, people, laser tag. <laughs> I'll win and then I'll get my ass kicked by Deep Blue, the <laughs> which is the computer that the guy uh, lost to later. Really? The IBM is that, computer is named Deep oh, Blue. Oh, that's right. Very good. Very good, Marco Cabote. Very good, very good. Let's hear for him. Corrine, uh, today is Day of the Skulls in Bolivia. Mm -hmm. uh, also on this very date, 2016, Donald Trump is declared the winner of the U.S. presidential election. Mm. Yeah. Uh, how'd you choose to celebrate this bullshit? All mixed up. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a confession. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people that, that nobody likes out there. I'm... I'm someone that actively ignores news and politics uh -huh. as, as much as possible. Um, I, I don't really do anything that doesn't make me feel like my insides are made up of happy sunshine, rainbows, and flowers. Um, because I have three kids, and mommy needs to keep it together mentally enough so that I have the capacity to talk to a four-year-old for eight straight hours. So I bury that stuff real, real deep, okay? Don't acknowledge any of it. So that's exactly why this is the perfect holiday for me. Because I don't know if many of you know this, but the Day of the Skulls in Bolivia is a day where people go around and they dig up skulls of dead people. <laughs> and then they decorate them and display them. They like bedazzle skulls from real dead people. Okay. So that's what I'm going to do for you today. I'm going to dig real deep and read some facts that were provided to me by CNN about Trump that I've been ignoring, and I'm gonna bedazzle them okay. for you. 
<laughs> All right. I'm going to decorate up that awful news with some fun facts that Google told me. Okay? Uh, and so uh, please note that this is only a small sampling of the things that have happened over the last two years. And again, also note that I ignore the news. So if anything here is not accurate, it's CNN's fault and not mine. Okay. <laughs> um, so anyways, okay, let's start this off. This is going to be fun, guys. Uh, so Trump is the first president who ever held elected, uh, who, see, I fucked it up already, guys. Okay. <laughs> Trump is the first president who has never held elected office, top government post, or military rank. But also, cows have best friends, and they hang out together, like, all the time. <laughs> okay. Cows uh, do? Yes, cows. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to learn a lot, guys. It's uh, Trump halted refugee arrivals and banned travel to the U.S. from seven Muslim-majority countries and banned Syrian refugees indefinitely. And Viagra can help extend the lifespan of fresh-cut flowers. <laughs> Uh, Trump accused Obama of wiretapping his phones ahead of the election. Studies have shown that goats have accents. <laughs> his, budget in, his budget increases funding for military and cuts funding for State Department, Environmental Protection, and Department of Agriculture. The actor and actress that voiced Minnie and Mickey Mouse were married in real life. <laughs> FBI Director James Comey confirmed an investigation of ties between the Trump campaign and Russia. Less than a week later, Trump fired Comey. It takes 17 muscles to smile, but 43 muscles to frown. <laughs> Following a violent clash between neo-Nazis and counter-protesters, Trump said there were fine people on both sides. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin once entered a Charlie Chaplin look-alike contest and lost to another participant. That's Trump great. calls Kim Jong called Kim Jong Un a rocket man and warns that the U.S. will totally destroy North Korea if forced to. Squirrels will adopt a baby squirrel if it's abandoned. <laughs> Trump had an alleged affair with Stormy Daniels and a 130,000 non-disclosure payment was made by Michael Cohen. Cuddling can help heal wounds faster due to the release of oxytocin. <laughs> and finally, our country is more divided and hateful than ever, except for maybe that whole civil war business. Innoc <laughs> innocent people are gunned down far too often and the whole fucking state is on fire again. <laughs> But I did learn that Meghan Markle, the wife of Prince Harry, can only wear tiaras at white tie affairs. Black tie affairs are not good enough for tiaras, people. So there is always that. <laughs> Very good, Corrine. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Jesse Jones, I, this is something I learned. Today is World Freedom Day in the USA. Yeah. How many fucking freedom holidays do we need? Uh, today is World Freedom Holiday in USA. Uh, also on this very date, 2012, uh, a train carrying liquid fuel crashes and bursts into flames in North Mar Myanmar, um, killing 27 people and injuring 80 others. Uh, how'd you celebrate these things together? <laughs> Uh, 
I celebrated World Freedom Day in the USA by spreading my love of America-style freedom willy-nilly wherever the fuck I wanted, whenever, whether anybody wanted it or not. The only way USA Freedom knows how. So I started off by loading up on, a, on my own liquid fuel. Uh, the, these new Bang Energy drinks, have you seen these things? <laughs> they have like 300 milligrams of caffeine per 16-ounce can. Monster, Rockstar, only have like 150. So think of a Monster, all right? Think of a Rockstar. You got it? Are you thinking of it? Well, take that bullshit that you're fucking thinking about and fucking double it! <laughs> Incidentally, Star Blast is the best flavor. It's like, it tastes like, all right, uh, imagine a carbonated, uh, melted Astro Pop. And before you say, Ugh, you don't know! <laughs> but the cotton candy and, and rainbow unicorn flavors are really good too. And before you ask, yes, those are real flavors. Yes, this is a real drink. And yes, I had three. So, <laughs> sufficiently fueled up, I got online and just started celebrating USA World Freedom Day as cap-locked as my as I could in as many faces as my freedom could fly. And I just filled up so many subreddits and YouTube comment threads with as much pure uncut freedom screams as my now, <laughs> my now unnaturally vibrating uh, typey pointies could clickety-clack. <laughs> I got into so many flame wars with anybody who would even remotely disagree with my assessment of America's radness. Like, uh, in every metaphor metaphorical hypothetical underground kickboxing death struggle I could imagine between the concept of America and the very idea of any other country or ideology, America's freedom knuckles were so dipped in glass that, <laughs> that there's no other form of government or way of life that doesn't end up with a flying slow motion kill shot with a triumphant music swell in the background with a badass horn section and shit. <laughs> Which hella frees from their concept of freedom as represented by the sexy green toga-wearing French lady, the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> oh, shit, I should be writing this down. Shit, I did write this down. Oh, what is reality? And what is me... <laughs> What is me tumbling helplessly through colors and sounds forever? Oh. I'm going I'm to need to switch to water. <laughs> very good. That was This Was Today Once. Very good. Very good. Uh, this next segment is called uh, Movie Makeup. Everyone, please have composed a synopsis based on the following movie titles. All movie titles are brought to us by WordCounter.net's random word generator. Random word generator. Uh, Josh Kincaid. Can I say your name? Okay. Sure. Okay. Full name. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, the name. The name of your movie is Scintillating Crib. Yes. Scintillating Crib. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Marco's excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Martha is a, is a successful, driven interior decorator for the stars whose fast-paced life leaves her with no time for romance or relaxation. One day, while shopping for her sister's baby shower at a quaint Brooklyn baby store, something shiny catches her eye, a beautifully lacquered, one-of-a-kind crib. Martha realizes it's just simply the perfect piece of furniture and exactly what she needs to finish her stylish Manhattan loft. But what kind of person just has a crib without a baby to put in it? Martha decides that she simply must have a baby in order to get that crib. She puts an order in on the crib and goes home with a modified sense of purpose. She sets up an online dating profile but is discouraged to find that nobody was responding to her plea to give her a baby with no strings attached. <laughs> she then reluctantly decides to broaden her search and find a more long-term romantic partner. She neurotically plan, plans several dates in a row, and finally, after a relatively frustrating, oh, excuse me, a relatably frustrating <laughs> montage, finds Mr. Right Now, a, a nice doctor from Queens. After eloping in Atlantic City, they immediately get pregnant. 
The crib will finally be hers. However, when she gets back to the baby store to pick up the crib, she is crushed to learn that the store had accidentally mixed her order with that of another mother-to-be and has already been sold. She is devastated. Why did she waste all her time getting married and knocked up? It's all meaningless without the crib. Because the store won't give her personal information about the location of the crib, she hires some hacker guys to <laughs> get... <laughs> to get into the computer system and find the crib's address. The hackers were also able to get into the computers of the family who owned that crib and frame them as enemies of the state. <laughs> the crib was Martha's at last, again. She has her baby and is happy for some time as, as her loft is now complete. However, the creeping anxiety of knowing that one day the baby will grow up and that the crib will have to be replaced with some sort of disgusting bed was just too much for her to take. Using her hacker buddies... She finds incriminating photos of her husband and uses them to blackmail him into writing her a prescription for anti-growth hormone. The baby would need the crib forever. Just as, she's about, just as she's about to inject the baby with the hormone, the FBI busts into the loft. As it turns out, her hacker friends were actually undercover agents, and she'd be going away for a long time. In the final scene, we see her in a prison cell. She runs her hands across the bars and chuckles at the irony that she's wound up in a crib of her own. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, very good. Let's let's get that let's get that movie movie made. We're gonna green light that. Fast track it. <laughs> Marco Cabote, uh, the name of your movie is called The Magnificent Mint Bear. Man. Magnificent Mint Bear. There's only one race stuntman Craig Dantley could never win. <laughs> and it was the race that got him locked up for life in the big house. Along with his unpredictable partner, Ponch Pork Ryan's Kardansky, <laughs> Craig Dantley must break out of Folsom Prison and participate in the fabulous Mint Bear, a cross-state illegal race from Mag Magnificence, California to the Mint Bear Ice Cream Factory in Wis Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Craig and Pork Rinds must dodge the CHP, a police force on the take from a greedy senator, an old flame in, his, in her bikini ambulance of hot lady chicks, <laughs> <laughs> along with a bevy of racial stereotypes, <laughs> played by washed-up TV actors. Add in some obviously spliced-in footage of Orson Welles, a biker gang, and a lovable elephant named Lollygag, and... And you've got a laugh-filled action car chase adventure the whole family can enjoy on DVD for only seven ninety nine in nineteen ninety nine when DVDs still cost twenty eight ninety nine. This will be one of the ones that gets marked right down to the same price as Earth Girls Are Easy or My Stepmother Is an Alien. <laughs> yep, the magnificent mint bear is horsepowers of fun. <laughs> Very good, Marco Cabote. <laughs> Bikini ambulance. <laughs> That's great. Corrine, the name of your movie is called Inconclusive Rose. All right. Uh, there's actually two movie studios coming out with movies with the same name <laughs> oh, of Inconclusive oh, no. Rose. It's so weird. Oh, my God. I'll tell you about both of them. Uh, <laughs> the first by one of those studios. Uh, the long-awaited sequel to Steel Magnolias, a film about the bond a group of women share in a small-town southern community and how they cope with the death of one of their own. Inconclusive Rose is about a similar incident, except this time, no one gets closure. 
<laughs> now our second one. <laughs> Inconclusive Rose, a Titanic sequel. <laughs> Follows Rose on her next cruise. Things aren't all fun and games now that Rose hogged that board and let Jack drown. <laughs> But it's unclear if anyone will ever be able to satisfy Rose's needs. But a, cru- but a cruise liner full of young... But a cruise liner of scrawny young mix will try with teen light resilience. When that old-timey car on a boat is a-rockin', don't come a-knockin'. Very good. Corian Lemke. <clears throat> Jesse Jones, yeah. name of your movie is called Rapid, R-A-P-I-D, Rapid Cabbage Dad. <laughs> Rapid Cabbage Dad. <laughs> a gypsy curse has transformed Daryl Tannum into a head of cabbage. <laughs> and now he has just three weeks to two months, depending upon well, how well he's preserved. To be the kind of dad to his three little girls that he wishes he'd always been. He knew he shouldn't have cut off that gypsy wagon on his drive home that night. And he certainly shouldn't have punched the sickly yak pulling it. But that, Daryl assumed, was why the gypsy sentenced him to live out the rest of his life as a cabbage, the most fiery-tempered of all roughage. Initially, (laughs) Daryl worries how he'll be able to do all he needs in the short time he has, or even how he'll overcome the inherent difficulties of connecting with his children now that he is one of their least favorite foods. (laughs) (laughs) But fortunately, and unbeknownst to the filthy gypsy, Daryl Daryl discovers that one of his new powers is that for him, time was passing more slowly. At what an unseen voice in his head tells him is the speed of cabbage. (laughs) So while Daryl's life has been cut to the shelf life of room temperature slaw, he perceives it as a lifetime spent with his kids, never growing old and existing forever in this one magical cursed lifespan of a leafy vegetable. And so through his newfound perspective that can only be achieved seeing life from the perspective of produce. Cabbage Daryl mends the wounds that Flesh Daryl left with his marriage with Cynthia and shows his girls that sometimes people are like cabbages and you have to peel back the slimy damaged layers (laughs) to discover the healthy individual trapped inside. Lesson learned, the gypsy returns and transforms Cabbage Daryl back into Flesh (laughs) Daryl. and reveals themselves to have been 30 cabbages stacked on each other (laughs) under a disgusting gypsy cloak the whole time. (laughs) Rapid Cabbage Dad, rated G, and featuring the voice talents of Josh Brolin, Chris Hemsworth, and Scarlett Johansson. They did this between Avengers movies just because no one told them no. (laughs) Very good. That was movie makeup. That was beautiful, which brings us to our final segment of the evening. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm very sorry. Uh, called Vows to an Asshole. Vows to an Asshole. Uh, 
congrats, everyone. Uh, you're all finally entering into the life of matrimony. Unfortunately, it's to an asshole. Uh, let's hear those vows to that asshole. Josh, mm. you're marrying uh, fascism. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm really nervous. <laughs> I, Joshua, affirm my love to you, fascism, as I invite you to share my life. For years, I was lost in a terrible relationship with democracy. <laughs> I was frustrated. I felt ineffective. I, I even experimented a bit with Marxism and lashed out and even had a one-night crazy stand with an anarchist. <laughs> but you showed me the way. You didn't give me a choice, really. <laughs> I saw that what I was really lacking was structure, and boy, do you ever have that. <laughs> I know I don't ever have to worry with you. You're the one party. You're the only party. There won't ever be any other. You are the most beautiful, smart, and generous form of government I have ever known. And I promise to always respect you because I know what would happen to me if I don't. <laughs> I, love, I love that I'll never have to make my own decisions again when I'm with you. You'll just make them for me and there's a certain level of comfort in that. <laughs> I know your last relationship with Adolf and Benito didn't end very well, but it was a different time, and the current political climate sure makes it seem like you're ready to be embraced again. <laughs> you are my best friend. I know that has a lot to do with the fact that you've arrested or killed most of my other friends for, for, for criticizing you, but it doesn't change how I feel about you. You're my dictator, and when I'm with you, my train is always on time. <laughs> Jesus. I, I know I don't have any guaranteed rights with you, but who needs rights when you have love? I love you, and I promise to do my duty to you and to never oppose your way of living. These things I give you today, and all the days of our life, well, at least the days of my life. <laughs> Thank you. Very good, Josh. Kincaid. Very good. Any Marco. Tears, anybody? Tears? <laughs> oh, yeah. From the heart. Uh, Marco. Yeah. You are marrying a jump scare. No. Oh, no, my pen. All right. <laughs> jump scare. It was November 16th, 1998, that I fell in love with you. I'd rented the VHS and watched that, or of, uh, of Friday the 13th from 1980, and watched that hack Halloween ripoff with the cool makeup effects that was pretty boring until the last few minutes when BAM! A little mongoloid kid. <laughs> I didn't get far enough in that statement. That little mongoloid kid, back from when you could say mongoloid kid. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the biggest he, laugh of the night. What a horrible <laughs> audience. <laughs> horrible people. Hello, <laughs> Mongol. <laughs> Jesse Jones, do you, don't you dare name this episode. <laughs> 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 oh, no. <laughs> okay. Uh. <laughs> Anywho, uh, he, he burst out of the water 
<laughs> and I was in love. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing has really reached that high, not the obvious lack of skill or the insert of computer effects and the require no filmmaking prowess at all. Not the elevation of the mouth-breathing masses that look up at bright-eyed into the warm eyes of... Uh, uh, <laughs> I love you! <laughs> Jump scare forever! For all time in your face! <laughs> Very good, Marco Caboni. Very good. Marco. <laughs> I almost read my note out loud to pretend. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to read it for you. I was like, it says, it says pretend he can't read. <laughs> Very good, Marco. Uh, Corrine, uh-huh. you're marrying uh, bubblegum that loses its flavor too fast. <clears throat> that asshole. I stab podcast participant. <laughs> Do take you bubblegum that loses its flavor too fast to be my lawful wedded vow to an asshole prompt. <laughs> Did you forget to write this one? Huh? No. <laughs> okay, okay. I promise to chew you when I forget to brush my teeth before the aforementioned stab podcast recording. I vow to do so for general hygiene and to avoid crippling social anxiety. For you, gum that loses its flavor too fast are the only minty thing I could find in my car on my drive over here. (laughs) I will forsake Orbit, Eclipse, Dentine Ice, Stubble Mint, Bubble Yum, because I don't have any of those in my car. Only you. And I will keep my and I will keep myself only to you for as long as it takes my car to run out of gas, and then I will probably go buy some Altoids. <laughs> or until my jaw starts hurting. We're definitely done if my jaw starts hurting. <laughs> <laughs> but you're almost satisfying, and I love you for that. Very good, Corey Lemke. And Jesse Jones, bring yeah. us home. Uh, you are marrying marriage (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you're gonna find uh, a lot of startling similarity in my vows to marriage uh, as to uh, Josh's vows to fascism (laughs) 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 it just worked out that way I don't know (laughs) I didn't realize I was writing the wrong prompt until too late Um, but no it's yeah (sighs) marriage The thought of you makes me so happy. (laughs) Spending my life, spending my life with you. (laughs) The reality is a little more, uh, but still the thought of you. (laughs) Magical. I look forward to learning to tolerate your friends, monogamy and boredom. (laughs) (laughs) Because... What the fuck else am I going to do? There's a piece of paper with my goddamn signature on it that says, <laughs> says I have to honor and cherish you until I fucking die. <clears throat> I have to. That's basically your whole deal. But I do. I, I know that you are truly a gift from God himself. That the mere idea of two people of drastically different gender... <laughs> <laughs> Staying together with each other for the rest of their lives was never even considered until Paul wrote about it in <laughs> until Paul wrote about how you totally should God style <laughs> in Bible two the reckoning 
And I know most of the time you're totally not into gay stuff. I mean, ugh, gross. I get it. <laughs> and so, marriage. <laughs> I ask that you take this ring, the unbroken circle, like the loop of a noose. <laughs> A symbol representing this inflexible, suffocating death pact that we've entered into today. <laughs> a life of begrudging, unsatisfying resentment, compromise and resentment. Did I say resentment already? <laughs> That's weird. It must be really sticking with me. Wonder why that might be. Surely not because from now on, every decision I ever make, every thought I ever have, hell, my very identity will be chained like a weight around my ankle, and I am just now getting right this second that that's what the old ball and chain means. <laughs> Dragging me down into a darkness which will poison us both and ultimately end with two people who once loved each other very much. <laughs> seeing nothing when they look at, the, at one another but the image of an individual who stole all they could be. <laughs> oh, wow and replaced it with the mediocrity of who together they became. <laughs> Til <laughs> Til death do us part. But which even before the ceremony is complete already can't come soon enough. <laughs> Very good. That is Stab. The end of Stab. One more time for everyone tonight. Josh Kincaid, Marco Cabote, Corey and Lemke, and Jesse Jones. Uh, if you'd like to hear more Stabs, go to one of our many online outlets, the primary of which being Spotify. You can go to Spotify. We're on Spotify. Listen to all of our past episodes. Or come out here to uh, uh, 1710 Broadway and see us live every Friday at 10 o'clock. Good night. So good, you guys. All right. So here's the thing. <laughs> I get home and and sh and uh, she says, um, "I go, hey, you went shopping, um, but she had mentioned she went like on a mini shop and she like went really quick." And I go, "Okay, cool. Do you have did, like what's in there?" And she goes, "Well, I'm not. I I she does hair, so she's gonna be gone tomorrow. If you need a hair lady, anyway, um, <laughs> she she." Uh, so she goes, I went, well, I went shopping, got a little bit, and she said, there's sandwich stuff in there. But what she means by sandwich stuff and what I mean by sandwich stuff are two different things. Like, she's like, oh, oh peanut butter and jelly. Women, or, women be different than men. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and all that, right? And then I'm like, well, is there lunch meat in there? Did you get lunch meat? And she goes, I don't know. Is, I didn't keep track of the lunch meat. <laughs> and I was like... Wait, how is it you take inventory of everything else, but like just not know the lunch meat? <laughs> the <laughs> that lunch was really part of the argument. The that wasn't the whole fish. argument. That well, was just the fact that a good ninety percent of it. She's not eating the lunch meat. But she's, she's not. She's not taking inventory. But if she's shopping for all, oh, oh look at this. You need a post-it that says look. lunch meat. Oh my! Is your God. lunch meat in a clear container? <laughs> See this, like a little, like a little. I'm taking the woman's side. Of, of course this, you are. Yeah, imagine that. Because <laughs> I have to. Imagine that. You or you what? just need a smart fridge that can tell you when you're low on lunch meat. Yeah. I don't want to fucking do this show now. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>